Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live weekly video broadcast right here on Talk Radio NYC every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel and interesting topics and challenges that employers and business owners are facing during these trying and challenging times. And in that spirit, I would love to welcome to the show tonight our guest, Ms. Lori Cartman, founder and CEO of Lori Cartman and Company. Lori, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Oh, I think you're muted there, yeah. Lori. Thank oh. you. Yep, no, I was muted. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really excited about our topic tonight. I'm going to uh, share our topic with our audience, and I'll give you, of course, a proper introduction as well, so we have some background on you and uh, and, and so forth. And um, our topic tonight, folks, is franchising in the pandemic. Is it right for you? And the issue here that Lori and I will discuss involves the fact that with the COVID-19 pandemic's upheaval of the workforce, as we once knew it, many mid-level and semi-senior employees are thinking about their next business move. Some may have lost jobs during or after the pandemic or due to economic hardship. And others may have felt the sting of dissatisfaction with their long-time positions or careers as reflected by the statistics around the great resignation. With many employees longing for more independence and autonomy, yet unsure if they want to risk being fully self-employed, being a franchisee or a franchise owner could be an excellent new path. So the questions become, what are the personality traits, the marketing considerations, the legal and practical factors for potential franchisees to consider? And our guest tonight, as I mentioned, Ms. Lori Cartman, will discuss how to determine whether franchising may be a good fit for you. And now, Lori, I thought I'd take a moment just to introduce you more, more formally and properly. Um, our guest on the show tonight is Ms. Lori Cartman, as the CEO of the multi-award-winning Lori Cartman and Company. Need to mention that as well. <clears throat> it is a full-service management consulting, legal services, and business coaching firm. Lori is a recovering attorney, I love that phrase, uh, and is a specialist in the areas of multi-unit business development, such as franchising and licensing. She's a prolific writer and speaker and has been voted one of North America's most outstanding management consultants. So we you know, always get top quality guests on the show, people who can talk about some really powerful issues. And with that, Lori, again, really glad you can join us this evening. Happy to be here. Wonderful. I love the recovering attorney, by the way. Yeah, everyone knows I'm an attorney of 23 years, and um, I definitely understand some of the ups and downs. You know, uh, something... I practiced 38 years. 38 years. Wow. 38 okay. years. Yeah. And then I and then I retired, and I said I'm done with the legal part. I'm mm -hmm. just going to do the management consulting. Wow. It kind of brings me to my first question, which is, you know, if I if I may, just sort of, uh, if you wouldn't mind telling us a bit more about yourself, mainly. How did your career initially start out? And then what prompted you to delve into this franchising space to become a management consultant and founder of Lori Cartman and Company? Well, it was interesting. I certainly didn't start out um, with franchising in my brain or my future in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. I started out as a tax lawyer, mm -hmm. and I practiced tax law, doing mergers, acquisitions, and succession planning for about seven years. Um, and then um, I was tired of private practice because for me private practice was always putting out fires and I wanted to do something preventative so I went to become in-house counsel for this multi-billion dollar Canadian corporation hmm. and they own three different businesses in Canada all of which were using the franchise model hmm. so by working with them I spent 10 years there hmm. I learned everything there was to know about franchising, not just the legal aspect, but the marketing and the operations and all of those things. And, and I left after 10 years, I took that knowledge and I created a chain of restaurants hmm. and then I franchised those hmm. and I sold them. Hmm. So when I sold them, um, I was in my, I guess my early forties and it was like, okay, well now what am I going to do with my life now that I'm grown up? Yeah, yeah. And I so I looked at my skill set and I said, you know, aside from the fact that I'm a lawyer, like, you know, I have awards for marketing and branding and for copywriting and I know operations. And I said, when I was a franchisor, I spent a lot of time managing professionals. Mm -hmm. 
And if that had been taken off my plate, I would have had more time to sell franchises. And I realized that that every franchisor suffers from that same dilemma. Yeah. So I opened a full service firm. Um, we've been around for 22 years now. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we work with brands that want to franchise their business. And we also work with individuals that want to buy a franchise. Interesting. You know, I'm always fascinated by people's like their career paths and, you know, some some will tell me, well, I, since I was very small, wanted to, you know, follow this field and go into this area of practice and others will kind of stumble upon something by accident. And others like yourself, you know, will say, be in a field where they're developing and honing these skill sets that then when they think, okay, I don't want to do X anymore, but I, what, what can I do? I have these great skills from being an attorney, from being a tax attorney and in-house counsel and franchising. And then knowing that you can help others with those skills you have. So um, again, always good to know that. And I feel like our audience listening likes to hear like, you know, what, how did you become the, you know, the you of, of today? You know, there you are right now. So interesting. Well, yeah, well, I became the me of today by writing and speaking. Sorry, yeah. begin the writing and speaking. Oh, That's yeah. How I have built my career and built my practice. I do a lot of writing and speaking, mm-hmm. and you know, when you do a lot of writing and speaking, people see you, they hear your name, and so you know that helps certainly helps to drive business. Absolutely, writing and speaking are a huge part of our careers as attorneys and in certain professions as well. I can definitely attest to that that fact. Now, it kind of brings me to a next question, Lori, which has to do with the um, little thing called the pandemic and wondering did this impacted everything. My question is, how has the pandemic impacted the world of franchising? And are you, for example, are you seeing higher rates of new novice franchise owners these past two years or fewer? You know, it's a horrible thing to say, but COVID was a real boon to the franchise industry. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. franchising is a way to be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it is a way to get into business with a limited amount of risk, right? There's risk involved in anything, but you know, the risks are delineated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of COVID, a lot of people started working at home and realized that they can, in fact, work at home and then realize that they like working alone at home. And how can they do that professionally? Mm-hmm. Right. Then there's um, people that are being packaged out. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the C-suite people and the top level executives, they're being packaged out. They're forced to take early retirement, but they're not ready to retire. And in a lot of cases, they can't afford to retire. Right. So. Um, you know, so there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people would buy a franchise. There's this tremendous wave, if you will, of independence, mm. of financial independence, of being in control of your own destiny. Um, you know, and franchising allows you to do all of those things. Hmm. Yeah, you know, the part about the pandemic, you said two things that are interesting, Laurie. Well, you said a lot of things interesting there, but the interesting things I heard were about this to see sweet folks and people who got pushed out, packaged out, as they say, separate package, you know, golden handcuffs or, or the golden parachutes. Um, certainly those folks who are like, well, I have this money and I have savings and I, I'm too young or not ready to retire and they can't afford to retire. What can I do for franchise? But the other group you mentioned that I find interesting is the people who are sort of working remotely and in a sense got like a taste, like almost like a taste for being de facto self-employed. In other words, they were they may have been working for a company, but rather than going into the office where maybe they had been previously like micromanaged or hovered over or were constantly in meetings and accountability with their uh, superiors, were sort of given the work and, and the companies got busy and they're like, you do this work and get it to us. And you know, people were setting their own schedules a bit more and um, taking liberties of their own hours and their own time and pace. So I think that's definitely another group that arguably got interested in in franchising, you know, yeah. silver lining of the pandemic, right? Yeah. And the third interesting group are millennials. Oh, yes. And they're a very interesting group because they don't want to work for someone else, period. So I see a lot of millennials coming in and in a lot of cases, it's their parents that are helping them get into business. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I see a lot of millennials because they just they don't want to work for it for somebody else. You know, they've they've, you know, done their, you know, nine to five jobs that they had to do to mm-hmm. put themselves through school. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, I want to be my own boss. You know, mm-hmm. just down the street from me, there's um there's my um my trainer my exercise trainer, Mm -hmm. and he was working at a gym. He's 21 years old, and he just opened up his own place. Wow. 21, huh? Yeah. And it was like, and that's the generation that you see it. It's the millennials. They're skipping the workforce altogether. Yes. Millennials and perhaps some Gen Z folks running there as well who are coming up these days, right? Um, Younger millennials, and definitely seeing that also. Yeah, it's definitely something. And you have that it's you can say it's the best of both worlds, interesting because you have the, the name and the brand behind you, right? Resources and equipment or other things you might need to some extent, but also can decide, you know, how you run that that franchise. You know, how you yeah. store business. Yeah, you're creating your own business. You know, you're creating equity for yourself. You're creating a business. You're, you know, in control of your destiny. Um, you know, and there's a lot of freedom in that. And the reason you do it through a franchise is because let's say you want to open a pizza shop, mm-hmm. right? You can go <coughs> and get a designer and then get a chef and then get an architect and then get, you know, an, an interior designer for the inside. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can go and you can get all these, but franchisors invest millions of dollars in perfecting their system. Mm. So when you buy a franchise, you're buying a business in a box mm-hmm. and the parameters of the box are mm-hmm. within which you have to operate within those parameters. So there's yeah. leeway, but there's also very strict standards. And, and that's what makes franchising successful is because the key is consistency. Mm-hmm. So brands that have really strict standards have a lot of consistency between their locations and that's what makes them successful. So I suppose the standard you might, one might argue, you know, are maybe some perhaps curtailing of complete free independence where you might have you open your own, let's say, pizza store where right. you can set any, any theme, any logo and, you know, color, you know, logo you might want to choose or, um, but you're always trading some independence for some support and backup. I find yeah. that true in business, right? I mean, you know, you and I are each self-employed. I have my law office, my law practice, my firm, and you have your company and, um, like I told you before the show, I asked how my day was, and I said, well, my tech is on vacation, and I really struggled with some uh, tech issues and uh, delayed train, all these matters, and I, you know, I don't have, uh, if I were a large firm, the person I could just call in to fix everything, you know, my certain, and, and, and give me a, sure. you know, um, so I've got to take the bull by the horns and, you know, run out and get it repaired, and of course, I left my spare computer at home, so I had to, you know, do all these things. But, but that freedom you get that we get being self-employed, there's a lot of responsibility, a lot of freedom as well. Yeah. Um, when we right, you know, but the, the thing about franchising is there's freedom with accountability, and that I'd say is a good system for, especially for new business owners. And you know, we're actually on our first commercial break. Do you believe it, Lori? But we have. So I will just say that. Um, Folks, stay tuned to Employment Law Today with me, Eric Sauber, Employment Law Business Law Attorney. And uh, my guest tonight is Lori Cartman, Franchise and Bit Management Consultant. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, benefits of owning a franchise, but also some practical considerations like marketing, financial, and personality-based to help you decide if franchising is right for you. So stay tuned to Employment Law Today right here on Talk Radio NYC. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, 
Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today with our guest tonight, Ms. Lori Cartman, uh, founder of Cartman, sorry, founder of Lori Cartman and Company. And we're talking about franchising this evening, if it's right for you, practical considerations, you know, the benefits, the pros and cons. You know, I like where we left off, Lori, before the break, you talked about how franchising gives you sort of freedom within a structure, freedom and accountability. And I find being self-employed, having clients, I have clients of mine who are employers and business owners who need help with employment law. I find that, you know, that accountability can be key, whether you get it from uh, a workplace or a franchise that you answer to, you know, the overarching franchise, or, um, or whether it's, you know, through connections and colleagues. So I think it's a really interesting structure that you described. And I actually am wondering about something here in terms of like, Maybe our, our audience are wondering too. You know, I know as an employment lawyer that you have to know the employment labor laws, whether if you're a franchise or a franchise, whether you own a franchise or you work, you know, own a, a non-franchise private company. I'm wondering, let's say a franchise store gets into trouble, um, employee files discrimination suit, Department of Labor uh, complaints, whatnot. Does the does the overarching franchise provide them with resources resources such as outsourced legal counsel? Or do they have to get their own counsel? Maybe you can talk about that. No, they have to get their own counsel because franchisors have to be really careful. Yeah. Because, you know, the joint employer rule, right? That's a big issue. So franchisors are very careful that they do not get involved in anything between the franchisee and their employees. Right. They stay as far away from that as they can because otherwise, the joint employer rule may come into effect and that's a whole Pandora's box in and of itself. Right. And for those not aware tonight, that joint employer rule talks about how liability can attach to the, and we're talking about the franchisor, which is the overarching company, right? And then they distance themselves as always saying from the franchisee, which is the person or that owns it, uh, like the smaller say version um, and their employees. And the joint, the definitely the co-joint employer rule talks about how if, um, say, um, you know, a franchisee violates the law, labor law, then the overarching franchisor can be responsible as well. They can share a liability. It's part of it. So I hear what you're saying about how the, um, you know, the, the franchisor, and again, that's a, let's say, for example, McDonald's is a franchisor. Right. And you own one of the stores, you're the franchisee. They Correct. will distance themselves from your employment policies. So you need to make sure that your policies are up to stuff with the labor and employment laws. So if let's say a franchisee were to be sued by an employee, they'd be responsible for getting their own employment counsel. Yes. Right, right. It's a good point to consider because you do have resources, but you're not the same level of resources you have if you're an employee. Right, but remember as a franchisee, you have a separate company or a separate legal entity, a separate corporation, right? Right, that's the true. franchisor doesn't get involved in the internal operations mm-hmm. of that organization. The franchisor only gets involved to make sure that they're following the rules of the franchise system consistently. Right. Yep. That's definitely what I see as well. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought it's an important point for our audience in case our listeners tonight are considering becoming a franchise uh, franchise owner, that you make sure you have the resources to hire the help you need if you need help with these issues. 
Um, of course, you know, I think it's important to have compliance in advance. And I know that's what you come in also with helping people to prepare to become a franchise owner. So that's interesting, I think. I think that if we talk about pros and cons, you know, that maybe some people might consider it a con that, oh, I, I have to get my own resources. But then again, if you own your own, say, pizza stop shop and you get sued, you're definitely hiring your own, you know, counsel, you know. For- Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, the franchise door will usually have some kind of a template of a policy manual or a human resource mm-hmm. manual that they will give you. But it's mm-hmm. your responsibility, you know, if the franchise or is, you know, is in, you know, Maryland and you're in Texas, yep. it's your responsibility to make sure that that employment manual um, is up to date with Texas employment law. 100%. Yeah. I'm glad that you're a recovering attorney because we can talk about these issues as well, you know, with you and, um, you know, and very true. Yeah, I think it's important for our, our audience tonight. And again, I think, you know, it comes down to you have accountability and you have structure, but you also have a freedom and independence. And that requires, you know, certain responsibility to bear for, um, you know, whether you need, you know, certain tech support or certain, let's say, um, you know, uh, employment law counsel, whatnot. So I think, you know, all, all just kind of good stuff to know. Um, I'm wondering if we talk about a different issue or somewhat related, which is like, actually, we're talking about it in a sense right now, some of the practical considerations, you know, marketing related, financial, personality based that people ought to be careful about, give careful thought to before deciding if a franchise is right for them. What are some like marketing and financial and personality factors to consider? The first factors that you need to consider are personality factors. Yeah. Because what franchisors are looking for is people who we affectionately refer to as intrapreneurs. Mm. So these are people who come to the table with business experience, sales experience, marketing experience, some kind of expertise mm-hmm. that they can contribute to the brand. Yes. Okay. So that's one of the first things. Um, so To be an entrepreneur, you have to understand that while you may have all these great ideas, Mm -hmm. you cannot just go and implement them yourself. But there's policies and procedures that you have to follow. And that's why veterans are Mm -hmm. the make the most amazing franchisees and are the most Mm -hmm. successful group amongst franchisees because Mm -hmm. they're used to following a book. Yeah. You tell me to do this, I do this. You tell me to do this, I do this. And they're great at that. And that's why they're so successful in business because mm-hmm. they're used to following a plan. They're used to someone directing them. Mm-hmm. Then the other skills that franchisors look for are skills that a franchisor cannot teach you. Yeah. So for example, if a franchisor of a pizza franchise can teach mm-hmm. you how to make pizza, They can teach you how to pour drinks. They can teach you how to count inventory, but they can't teach you interpersonal skills. They can't teach you organizational skills or teach you the ability to prioritize what needs to get done. Mm -hmm. They also can't train you on supervisory skills and management skills. So they're looking for people that have supervised other people before yeah right that have some kind of organizational skills and that have really good interpersonal skills and for the most part are not afraid to sell that's Mm -hmm. a really big thing because if you're afraid to sell you don't like selling you're not you think you're not good at it which is that's a whole other topic in and of itself sure um you know you can hire someone to do the sales for you so that's always an option Mm -hmm. Um, but remember whatever money you're paying out to someone else is money that's not showing up in your pocket Right, right. Right. When you know, as soon as you farm it out. So, hmm. but um, yeah, but people who have some kind of management experience, and most people, ninety percent of the people, have skills that are transferable from their current and previous positions, hmm. regardless of what they do. <clears throat> right. Right. There's always transferable skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are really good points here. So, I mean, these I think are the skills that. I would say someone in business for themselves, themselves really needs to have an organization, you know, good delegation, supervisory skills, um, interpersonal, but particularly with a franchise, it's interesting to note that the veterans make a sort of by profile excellent, you know, franchisees because of the fact that, you know, like you said, they're used to sort of following a system, you know, like certain rules in place or certain, you know, policies and such. 
Um, and, and yet, you know, they have that press, uh, the, the ability to do things on their own because they're, they're sort of trained to, you know, take charge, do things. Yeah. Yeah. But they do. They take charge and they get stuff done. I mean, right. they're just great operators. You know, they are not lazy. They don't procrastinate. And I know that I'm I'm making a stereotype out of it, but yeah. but I've just seen so many examples of it. Yeah, you know, that the training that you get, military training, really sets you up to be a fabulous franchisee. Hmm. I bet some folks might not have thought of that when they come out of the military that they can have a career in this in this part in this uh, area of franchising. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is like sort of sticking to this, um, say the, the personality part you know, of the considerations of whether or not one might be a good franchise owner, um, good franchisee. Are there certain tests, say like personality tests that people can take that really helps them to see for themselves? Some people don't always know. They think, oh, I'm a great people person. I'm great with, you know, following direction. But then they, when they get down to it, they really maybe are not. Are there any personality tests story that you recommend or assess people with? Yeah, I assess people with, I use an assessment called Colby which is mm -hmm. K-O-L-B-E. Mm -hmm. And Colby, um, I've been using for 20 years. I'm a certified Colby uh, professional mm -hmm. because there are many assessments out there. There's Myers-Briggs and there's, um, you know, there's, um, um, oh my God, there's DISC and there's just mm -hmm. a whole whack of them out there. Yeah. Um, Strengths Finder. And the issue that I have with all of those mm -hmm. is that, they are greatly affected by several factors. Mm. How you're feeling at the time that you take the assessment. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. And things like age, education, race, social status, mm. gender. And so what you're really getting with those assessments is just a snapshot in time. Right. It's a snapshot of that person, right, in that very moment. Yeah. What Colby does is Colby does not give you a snapshot. Colby says, this is how this person is hardwired from birth to act. Hmm. If they're in this situation, this is what they're going to do. If they're in this situation, this is what they're going to do. And it's predictive. Now, I did my Colby 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was recertified two years ago. I did it again. I have the same score because mm -hmm. Colby does not try to change you. Colby works on what are your innate strengths and mm -hmm. how can you work better with your innate strengths? So a lot of franchisors come to me to do Colby on their franchise prospects to tell them, is this person going to be a good franchisee? Yeah. Right. Got it. And Colby is great. Doesn't matter what you're hiring for. Colby is just one of the best tools out there. And that's, you know, something I do a lot of and I really enjoy. Hmm. Interesting. That whole thing about, you know, the idea of taking more than just a snapshot and something that's not biased by education, race, cultural background, but rather just really shows, I guess, the person's hardwiring or even how they've been perhaps, you know, nature nurture, how they've been um, sort of raised in, from in terms of their environment. Um, so I guess it could help one to, to know really if they have, let's say, the selling skills, you know, the, the, the interpersonal skills, the soft and hard skills that you need yeah. to run a franchise. Yeah, it tells me what kind of research they're going to do. It tells me what kind of implementer they're going to be. It tells me what kind of leader they are. It tells me, you mm. know, um, what their adversity to risk is. I mean, mm -hmm. it just tells me everything, whether or not they're organized, can they prioritize all of these things. People are amazed. They do their Colby and then I do the debrief with them and they're like, how do you know all that about me? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I, here, you know, it's it's right in front of me. It's your score. It's right in front of me. And the thing about Colby is that there's no perfect, every score is a perfect score because you are who you are. Yeah, right. right. There's no like wrong or right answer way to answer. There's no judgment. Yeah. Interesting. You know, yeah. I know we really covered a lot in terms of the personality trait factors to consider. When we come back from our next commercial break, I'll ask Lori more about some of the other practical considerations for if you want to own a franchise, you know, economic, marketing, operational, legal and such. So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Employment Law today. Our topic tonight is about franchising. Is it right for you? I'm here with Lori Cartman, so stick around to talk to NYC, and we will be right back.
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Sauver. I'm an employment law business law attorney here in New York, in New York City, and here on Talk Radio NYC with our guest, Lori Cartman, founder of Lori Cartman & Company. So Lori, really good conversation so far about franchising, I must say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, going back before the commercial break, we were discussing some of the practical considerations marketing, financial, personality-wise, that um, people might want to consider uh, in order to assess whether or not they, a franchise is right for them. And I think, you know, during these times of COVID-19 and the great resignation where sort of, you know, employees are considering becoming employers. So this is a good topic. I wonder if we can go back to those other factors, like, for example, some of the financial considerations, let's say, and the marketing considerations sure. take into account. Sure. Um, marketing considerations is the easy one mm-hmm. because uh, one of your financial commitments to the franchisor is to pay a monthly or weekly percentage of your sales to the franchisor, which goes into an advertising fund. Right. So the franchisor then creates with that fund, they do a few things. They will use it to generate brand awareness for the brands everywhere. Things like websites and Facebook pages and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they also use the money to create specific local store marketing initiatives that the franchisees can do at the local level. It's really mm-hmm. important franchisees get involved in their local community. So the franchisor helps you by preparing and giving you all the marketing materials that you need. So as a franchisee, you just have to make sure you actually implement them. But all the tools that you need you will get from the franchisor. And that's the beauty of franchising is you don't have to come up with new ads. You don't have to come up with new specials. It all comes to you on a regular basis. So that sort of, so you don't really need to worry about that. What you do have to consider though, are the financial factors. And I'll explain it this way. When you look at an ad for a franchise, you're going to see two numbers. The first number you're going to see is what's called the initial investment or the initial franchise fee. Uh-huh. And then you're going to see a total franchise cost. Huh. Okay. Fine. So let's say you're buying a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So the franchise fee to buy a restaurant may be $35,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And then let's say it's another $300,000 to build it out. Yes. So the total investment is $330,000. 
Right. The $30,000 is the only money that goes to the franchisor. Hmm. And that money goes to the franchisor and is intended to reimburse the franchisor for the cost of putting the franchisee into business. So hmm. it pays things like the commission on the franchise sales. It pays things like, you know, the training crew to go out to the franchisee's location and train their staff. It pays for you know, the train, all the manuals and the operations manuals and the marketing manuals and all of those things. So that's called the initial franchise fee. Um, and it's the only money that goes to the franchisor. Mm -hmm. The rest of the money <clears throat> of that total investment goes to suppliers. So if we're talking restaurant, it'll go to equipment, it'll go to landlord, it'll go mm -hmm. to security deposits, mm -hmm. um, you know, it'll go to inventory, it'll go to interior design, architects, plumbing, air conditioning, mm -hmm. it'll be paid out to all these other people. Right. Insurance? Which one would that fall in? The um... No, the insurance is going to be part of the franchisee startup expenses. I see. Yes. So the second thing I wanted to get to with this is exactly what you're talking about as well. Mm -hmm. What are the startup expenses? Right. Franchisors, they will tell you and they'll give you a list of this is what it costs to start up. Mm -hmm. But what you need to make sure you have is you need to have three to six months of money to live on. Yes, because your business is not going to generate revenue from day one, right? It's not going to generate enough revenue to pay you to do your payroll, all of those things on day one. So you need to have about three to six months of working capital and living expenses um, so that you can feel comfortable because that's what it takes to ramp up a business. Yes, I think excellent point there. And something for employers and business owners alike to consider whether you're a franchise to see or not but with the franchise you have the franchise you have that fee mentioned that initial fee which covers all those different bases and then i guess the, the supplies and the lease and so forth but definitely the idea that if you're the financial considerations are more than just the cost to get started because as right. you mentioned right part of your cost it might be you know say if you're not drawing a profit or salary yet for the first three or four months or five months or or six months or a, fra or a fraction of the salary that you would have drawn let's say in your last job that you're working, right. then you need money to live on, right? And I think yeah. a lot of folks have, you know, seen, I know with the uh, pandemic, a lot of outsourced fractional CFOs, people that I just know because we have good synergies in terms of the clients we help, have told people, you know, to save for even more than that, right? Yeah. Save for, you know, the disaster that, you know, people would often say, oh, that's, that's just, you know, catastrophic thinking. And then along came COVID. COVID. And here comes, right? And here comes inflation. and possibly a recession, you know, in a more official way. Um, so, right, you know, fingers crossed not, but, you know, um, like, but I think there's definitely a lot of factors out there, um, you know, for sure, in terms of financial, you know, financial considerations. I imagine also credit would be an interesting thing to consider. You know, if you, let's say, need to get certain business loans, right, to make this, um, you know, this franchise dream happen, do you have the solid credit yeah. value to support it? Absolutely. And most franchisors would look for a credit score of at least 700. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, some of them will do 650, but they really like to see a credit score around 700. That's what makes them much more. Obviously, the higher, the better. Right. Yeah, sure. But on the lower end would be, you know, sort of 700 as a minimum credit score. Right. Might they raise with the initial franchise fee for a lower credit score person or be the same rate? No, it's the same because the okay. initial franchise fee is meant to reimburse the franchisor for their expenses. I see. Right? And also, um, it gives the franchisee the right and the license to use the trademark. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered so far the marketing, the financial and the personality based factors. Um, you know, when going into franchise uh, franchise ownership, and I think it's important to note those people um, who are considering you know these these possible avenues of their next you know path in their career. Um, most certainly, you know, I think that I know you're out in, in Canada, correct? Yeah. Do you find that the um, these standards are pretty much the same whether you're in Canada or the United States? Or yeah, I mean, I am. I live in Canada, and this is where mm -hmm. I began my practice. But I have an international practice, and I probably do ninety percent of my business in the U.S. Most of my clients are American. Right, um, right. You know, I know that this um this show, the station, has an international reach, but most a lot of clients, a lot of people that listen, rather a lot of uh, audience 
some might become clients. A lot of audience, though, are tend to be in the sort of the um, you know this in the United States in general, you know, right? Continental U.S. So, but of course, there are listeners outside that area as well. Um, but I think it's just an important to note, you know, and it kind of brings me to a next question I have for you. I'm wondering, um, like, do you have any, let's say, success stories to share? Let's say people that came to you with the potential interest in becoming a franchise owner and said, Laura, you know, can you help me? How have you helped them? And, and what are some like happy endings you can share with us? This sure, absolutely. When um, <clears throat> when a potential franchisee uh, comes to us, they mm -hmm. go through um, an interview process and then there's a fairly long application that they have to fill out. Mm -hmm. And I use all of that information to help make good choices for them. Mm -hmm. So I use my Colby assessment. Um, there's, you know, some other, you know, documents and tools that I have that I use, but they go through a process and it's like a matchmaking. Mm -hmm. So, but we do everything for them. So, um, you know, they say, okay, you know what, I'm really looking for something in the automotive industry. So we'll go and do the research, mm -hmm. um, you know, pick out two or three, come back, say here, these are the two or three we recommend. Mm -hmm. um, and then if they say, yeah, we like those. I go ahead, I contact the franchisor, get all the documents, I get all the legal documents. Mm -hmm. And I go back to the prospect and say, okay, here are these are these are the documents, these are the pros and cons of these three choices. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to decide which one they'd like to pursue. Mm -hmm. Or they may say after the first three, they may say, No, I don't like any of these, none of these fit. Mm -hmm. In which case we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll and we'll bring them another three to five choices. Hmm. So once they've decided, then hmm. we work with them through the franchise sales process. Hmm. So we will help them fill out the application form. Mm -hmm. We'll help them through the franchise sales cycle. We will negotiate the franchise agreement for them. Mm -hmm. um, and we will, you know, take the, uh, the complete transaction from the day they're interested to the day they close. You're on mute, Eric. Oh, apologies for that. I'm not sure what happened there. It sounds like yeah. these are some of your sort of methods and strategies of how you work with clients uniquely, right? In terms of like, yeah. the process and the steps to take. Um, absolutely. I'm wondering, I mean, I know you have mature processes around like using your work with a new client. Um, and I want to hear about more about those, but I need, need to take another commercial break. So sure. um, once again, folks, I'm Eric Sauber of Employment Law Today. Uh, here with our guest, Lori Cartman, our franchise consultant extraordinaire. Stay tuned to Talk Radio NYC. Um, we're about a minute away from a commercial break. Or we'll, under that, I'd rather just take it than, uh, than ask you to start a question than have to break up in the middle. Um, but when we come back, Lori and I will discuss more about franchising, including some success stories Lori's had with some of her own clients. So stay tuned to Talk Radio NYC, and we will be right back. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc 
listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. Pardon me one second, folks. There we go. I'm Eric Sarver, host of the show, and I'm here tonight with our guest, Lori Cartman of Lori Cartman and Company. So, Lori, um, I know you're on mute, just a reminder there, too. I know it happens to uh, the best of us. <laughs> and I think my, my question for you is just taking us back to the, when we left off before the commercial break, like if you can talk more about some of your methods and strategies for coaching and guiding your clients through the franchise process, and also if you wouldn't mind sharing one or two success stories you've had with your clients. Sure. Um, I've been working in the franchise space for 30 years. <clears throat> I've been a franchisor. I've also been a franchisee um, and a franchise lawyer. Hmm. And I love the franchise business model because I've been able to see so many people really enjoy controlling their own destiny, being in charge of their own business, mm -hmm. people who otherwise would never have been able to get into business before. Mm -hmm. So it's very rewarding. I do a lot of work with um, people who are actually immigrating from mm -hmm. other countries to Canada or the US. I do a lot of work with immigration lawyers because, mm -hmm. you know, because to come in on one of these investor programs, you have to be making a certain investment in a business in the country. So mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, I've really been able to make an impact and to make a difference is with people are coming from other countries and they need to get away from wherever it is they're from. And I've been, been able to help them emigrate to Canada or to the U.S., you know, and buy businesses. Um, you know, I, um, I have several clients. I have a client who um, I sold him a... Um, beauty salon franchise mm -hmm. and it was him and his wife and they were looking for something and they weren't really sure what they were going to do. And they came to see me and they liked beauty and that kind of industry. So we fell mm -hmm. on top of this. Yeah. Um, so they bought their first unit and they opened it and they ran and went really well. They bought their second unit. I think they're on their fifth now. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you can create that kind of wealth, you know, the real money, when you're an owner of a franchise, you're making a good living. Yeah, and yeah. you could be making a lot of money if you have a five million dollar franchise, mm. but for the most part, most people don't. Right. Where the real money comes in is when you have multiple units, mm. because then you get economies of scale. <laughs> so the franchisees that I've seen being the most successful <clears throat> are those who have taken the profits from their first store and reinvested it into a second store, and then a third store, and then building up, you know, and and owning five or 10 locations and being multi-unit franchisees. Hmm. Like, so it's like sort of building on their success yeah. from one store to two, taking those profits, investing in the third or fourth store. And, and yeah. I want, I suppose there's a, a, a calculus involved, a factor where the, the cost of financial considerations we talked about earlier, those expenses, right, for per store, but then you weigh it against like perhaps you know, the, um, the, the profits and such. And you know, of course, the ideal goal is that the profit that way the expenses, that's when you're doing well in business. Right. Um, interesting. Yeah. But when you have more than one unit, like normally, you know, you have a manager for every location. If you have yeah. multi units, if you have five locations, you really only need to have two managers. You need to have five assistant managers. Hmm. You really only need two managers who will go and supervise the others. So there's a huge savings just on labor right there. Because they can rotate, you're saying, right? Correct. That's what they do is they rotate in and out and they're really managing the assistant managers at each level. But an assistant manager is significantly less expensive than a manager. Right. The salary considerations and so forth. Yeah. 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 And I think that's sort of part of the, the beauty of this model is that you have sort of this efficiency level. I think that's built into it. And yeah. it's the way there's a certain structure with the cost and the initial setup and so forth. Um, I think it's, you know, I feel like as attorneys, we look for those win-win situations with our clients, and I can see how the franchisor, right, the big you know name brand, pays off, 
and the franchisee pays off as well. They each kind of, it's sort of a mutual, like both parties are benefiting. It's not an either or, it's both ends. It's a situation. And, and that's the key. You know, when you're interviewing franchisors, you know, you want to hear them say things like we, or are we consider our franchisees family? We consider our franchisees partners. You know, that's the best thing you can hear is we consider our franchisees partners. Because those who view their franchisees as partners in success mm-hmm. are the ones that have the most successful units. Interesting point there, Laura, you know, it brings you to a good question. It's like, you know, you think about this, what are some of the sort of the um, the warning signs, um, the red flags, if you will, to look out for if you're a franchisee, when you're exploring which franchise to buy into? Any, you know, when, you, when you're looking for a job, certain warning sign, red flags, like when you're talking to your potential boss about certain things, and any, any red flags that you think like, yeah, the, the most important thing you can do is to do your homework. And the yeah, best yeah. way to do that is to mystery shop. Mm-hmm. So become, pretend that you are a customer mm-hmm. and try to do business at four or five different locations, go in, look at the location, see if they're merchandise the same, do you get the same kind of greeting, do you have the same kind of experience, because that's what you're looking for, because mm-hmm. if you're going into location after mm-hmm. location, and you're seeing that they're consistently merchandised, the stores are well kept, or that, mm-hmm. you know, the customer service people are doing what they're supposed to do, that shows you that the franchisor runs a tight ship, and that's what mm-hmm. you want. You want a franchisor that runs a tight ship, because if one franchisee um, you know, breaks the rules, they ruin it for everybody else in the system. Yeah. Right. And the franchisors, they just can't have that. So I guess looking for a consistency among the other franchise, say franchisees will tell you as a prospective franchisee, oh, this is a, maybe a tight franchise where you know, there are uniform standards in place that are well-trained. I, yeah. I it's funny. I experienced that when I go say, go to certain types of um, you know, franchises like say a certain you know coffee place where it's like each time you know the coffee is really good and the service is quick and it's, it's the same consistency. Whereas other places I'll go to and I'll find that like you know it's like a delicious place. You know, if you're in Maple, New Jersey, but if you're in like you know say Milburn, it's terrible. You know, it's right. very very. So if I were to say looking to be a franchise owner, I might think twice about that getting into that franchise, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to look for signs that the franchisor is enforcing their agreement and that everybody's operating the same. You know, I mean, I can tell you a story when I had my chain of restaurants. Sure. I had I had one of my franchisees. The biggest thing that we sold in our restaurants was chicken. Mm. And I had one franchisee who refused to buy the specified chicken. Mm. And so at head office, I was starting to get complaints from mm. customers i went there they changed their chicken it's not good anymore i'm not going to go back and i went to the franchisee and i said hey mm-hmm. you have to buy specified chicken right mm-hmm. and he gave me the, you know one of these well it's my business and it's my cost i said no you don't understand mm-hmm. i've invested over a million dollars in creating this concept mm-hmm. i'm not going to allow one franchisee <laughs> to break the rules and ruin it for everybody else mm-hmm. so either you're going to change the chicken Mm-hmm. or I'm going to lock the door. Those are really the only two options that you have. Right. right. Um, at the end of the day, we ended up locking the door because oh. what happens is, mm-hmm. let's say, so this guy's in Montreal. Let's say you go to a franchise in Ottawa and you're yeah. with someone yeah. who's never been to that restaurant. And you say, oh, let's go to Joe's Pizza. Yeah. The person in Montreal is going to say, oh, no, I went there in Montreal. It was horrible. Right. So now yeah. the guy in Ottawa who's doing a great job is losing business because of one bad franchisee in Montreal. And that's why consistency is the key. And that's interesting because when you own your own business and it's not a franchise, right? Your name sort of sticks with you. But if you own a pizza shop and it's just your name, if someone else down two blocks down has terrible pizza, it doesn't reflect upon you. But if someone else has terrible pizza and has the same sort of overarching franchise, it robs you of that opportunity, you know, for sure. Absolutely. yeah, good point. You know, good that you can approach this from different, you know, perspectives, like in terms of, you know, the, the franchisor and the franchisee. I know that, you know, being an employment law attorney, having practiced on both sides with employers and employees gives me a, a different perspective. So I imagine yeah. that would be true for you. Um, you know, we, believe it or not, are coming close to the end of our show. I want to give, turn the floor over to you, Lori, for about two minutes, just to you know, take some time, share with us, like, how do people contact you, you know, your website or any information you want to share, any, any um, promotions you might be having, you know, the, the floor is yours. Oh, well, that, that's awesome. Thank you. Sure. Um, 
I'm really easy to get a hold of because everything mm -hmm. is under my name. So mm -hmm. my website is simply lauricartman.com. Mm -hmm. um, and then my email um, is laurie at lauricartman.com. Mm -hmm. So it makes, I'm very easy to find. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, um, I am happy to speak and I have um, on my Calendly link, I have a free strategic consultation. So if there's somebody out there and you're thinking you might be interested and you'd like to have a conversation with me, um, you can book it on my calendar, um, which is calendly.com slash Lori Cartman. Mm -hmm. So everything is just has my name in it. And I would be pleased to speak to anybody. There's absolutely no charge. And if you want to see if this is, you know, something that may be a good fit for you, it would be my pleasure. Excellent. And just for those that might be listening tonight on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe you don't have the, the visual of the video. Um, Lori is spelled L-O-R-I and Cartman, K-A-R-P-M-A-N. I know those watching can see your screen, but I want to share that with those. Right. That's, thank you for pointing that out, because that's true. People sure. are listening, can see. All part of the experience of posting the show. So, right. Um, right, right. Great stuff, Lori. You know, really great you know, conversation. Well, I want to thank you tonight, you know, for taking the time to be on the show. You know, really appreciate your, you know, showing up tonight and, and sharing with us all this some really great information. Um, you know, for those that enjoyed the topic, if you like what you heard tonight, if you like the show, tell your clients, tell your colleagues, tell your friends to tune in Tuesday nights, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. here on Talk Radio NYC. You can also find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and Amazon. And, um, you know, stay tuned to Talk Radio NYC. The station has some fantastic shows, including one right after this at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So once again, I'm Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law attorney here in New York. And I want to thank you, Lori Cartman. I want to wish everyone out there in the, um, in the audience tonight a, a, a happy and, uh, and, and safe and peaceful remainder of the week. So Lori, thank you so much for joining us this evening. All right, excellent. Have a, have a wonderful evening. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. podcast.
Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.